Hello and welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a podcast where we discuss what we call issues. <laughs> My name is Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And I don't know if we're going to keep that intro, but I just wanted to say issues. Um, this week we're going to talk about the, the uh, climate emergency. Yes. Again, but this time it's official. We are officially, we have officially declared a climate emergency. Parliament has declared a climate emergency. So did that, uh, and did a protest work? It sounds like a protest did in fact work, what but then did... to call Extinction Rebellion a protest, I think uh, is not representative of the size of the protest. The scale. Okay. I think that's what I'd say. But yes, a protest worked. It's not a protest. It wasn't just a march. It was sustained. It was sustained. And I think it's, I mean, it's not gone away. Sustained Mm. disruption. Um, So yes, some some amusing things to report from the week. But that is great news. Now we just need to see if Parliament actually makes any decision that reflect the climate emergency that they have declared. But see what happens. It's the um, beginning of the beginning. And have you got some ideas about what you'd like them to do next? But of course. Well, <laughs> let's hear them after the intro music and some rambling. So, how's it going? I was just dancing to the intro music. Okay, mm, good moves. <laughs> I was, uh, we sounding like a caricature of radio hosts. I was just dancing, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tune in am... for the webcam footage of that, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook if you want to see video footage of the podcast. How's it going? <laughs> it's going quite well, yes. Well, I'd say well. I've got a sore shoulder, sore back, sore hip, but I'm soldiering through. Um, Congratulations. Got, that's it, really. I've got, I've a, got a sore of... toe from when I dropped a 19-inch rank mount vocal processor on my toe the other day. And then today I accidentally rested a 25-kilogram weight on it. So Ow. why did I do that on my how, sore toe? How much did the 19-inch rack mount vocal, whatever it was, weigh? A bit more than you'd like it to is here. Let's see. I'm going to say, I don't know, like maybe like 700 grams, like 0.8 of a kilo maybe. Was it damaged? But, but it dropped from the height, from waist height. Um, it was fine. It's a fairly robust little thing, so it's fine. But oh, it does mean that I've got my nice... I, 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 I've got a synthesizer breakthrough, Ivanka. A synthesizer breakthrough, which you can see on my YouTube video for this month. A synthesizer mother king breakthrough. Um, anything else other than some complaints? Yeah, complaints. Uh, well, I'm going off to uh, Croatia in a couple of weeks to spend a very, very long summer there. <laughs> well, I'm very excited about good that. Good for you. Uh, which means that I have been doing some clearings out of the house, which is always satisfying, mm. and giving away of children's clothes and toys and things, distributing them around my local community, my friends, mm. my neighbours, 
Um, as have you is got? Have you cool. discovered Next Door? No. That's a, it's an app where you sort of connect with your local community and you have to sort of prove your postcode and things. But there's been some interesting stuff. We've just sort of it's quite interesting stuff to see. Found out that there's a power guy with a power washer that lives nearby. Who's happy, to, who's happy to lend it? Yeah, yeah. 15 oh. quid an hour, he said. He'll come and power wash it for you. Wow. And that Do is good because I am subscribed to hashtag power washing porn on Instagram. <laughs> you are not. I am. It's good. <laughs> you get to see something go from dirty to clean. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> that is very exciting. Next door, you say. Well, I rely on the, the local Facebook group. Right. As I've mentioned, probably 520 times on this podcast, my local Facebook group is very, very active. So you can That's do good. that. Has anyone got a jam pan? And I don't even know what that is. It's a pan for making jam. It is a exactly, jam pan. It's actually called a jam the kettle. The clue is in the name. It's called a jam kettle. Look, jam actually, has a lot Michael. of meanings. Um, oh, that okay. Fair enough. Uh, this is for <laughs> making my jam. Conclusion. It's for when I made my lemon jam, which is lemon marmalade. But anyway, that's neither here okay. nor there. So, so I'm so, quite happy and relaxed. Okay, good. Frankly, you know, apart from I had a dream about the end of the world again. But you know, that aside, um, it's okay. Good. Good. Yes. How are you, Michael? Do <laughs> tell me there. about your week. <laughs> I like. Maybe so, she'll ask me. Sorry. <laughs> the end maybe. of your thing, you can ask me, and then I can speak. <laughs> um, and then it's my turn. I've, uh, I, 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 do you know? I'm, I'm. I, the, the studio I'm sharing. The, the other guy, he's likable, but he never asks me how I am. <laughs> Which, so what I always thought the wisdom was that if you show interest in other people and that's what makes them like you, I thought that was the key to it. But it's strange that he can be likable, but at the same time, never goes, how's it going? <laughs> never ask me what I'm doing. I sort of have to bully it into the conversation to because, you know, but I hear him talking about about me. So I guess I know that he's interested in what I'm doing, but it just doesn't seem to be. I think it's a Britishness thing. Well, Nick and I often have this conversation because there's a few people we know where you, you sit down and you see them and they broadcast <laughs> at you yeah. and never like, or, or Nick has it as a measure of when he meets somebody for the first time for work, you know, they have a meeting yeah. and it's like, do you know, we sat and we talked for an hour and they didn't ask me a single thing about me Yeah. or, you know, like that's like, and it's, it is, it does, I think you do notice it. I mean, yeah, I'm sometimes very... sometimes like, you've got a thing you want to talk about, but you're sort yeah, of like yeah, waiting, yeah. For the, uh, waiting for permission. I'm, oh, yeah. But I, I'm also... I mean, I sometimes... I joke, especially with people that I'm f close to and friends with, I phone up and sort of tell them a thing and then go, look, I don't have time to ask you how you are, but I, I do care. <laughs> but <laughs> this, this was for me. I just needed okay. to tell you this thing and get your input. Um, so sorry I haven't asked you anything about you. I'm going to phone you tomorrow and just ask you about you. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. So I think as long as you're self-aware <laughs> yeah, yeah. when you're doing that, listen to me, I need to, I need to get this off my chest. Um, but <laughs> Okay. Well, yes. And Well, there is a thing that I, I, I would like to bring up. And now oh, that yeah. you've given me permission, I can talk about it. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of one, I think I'm through the hump of the hardest step of, you know, saving the world in my own little way, which is... Um, making comprehensible to human beings what Delton Chen's 
Garrett Silver gun hypothesis is driving at about the actual thing that he's proposing, which maybe, maybe lights a fire under things if we can popularise it and share it. But I, I wrote, because uh, I've been you know, processing it for a long time. And each time I started trying to write a script, well, I'd be like, I'd, I'd speak to him, I'd ask some questions, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm clear. And then I'd start trying to write a story where, a script where it was like, this leads to this. And it was like, I do not understand this at all. And I have to go back with a load of new questions. So what, how does that even work? Um, parallel economy, all this stuff about parallel economies and animals and trees and is and I like when he said like oh, well I think this is how you should explain it to the public you should do I was like okay well I I will take that with a pinch of salt but then I ended up writing one thing that sort of leaned on that but now the next phase of it which is what what would you what would it actually be has that's got nothing to do with it so it's literally um, let's make a state controlled or bank controlled currency that is guaranteed to return and then that gets well I won't try and explain it here but I'm I sent off my little script to Delton it's got some silly bits in it um but he uh said yeah you've explained it spot on and I was like bugger me yes bugger me so now I'm in the now I've now and now that I've um finished this month's YouTube video I'm like trying to really get my head down and uh sort of flesh out what this is actually going to be so I've been taking my sort of drawing little pictures of trying to sort of do a good job of kind of mapping out how I think it how I think it should all look and um very nice um and been doing some experiments in animation tools this morning but um yeah the the idea is hopefully we can get this thing out uh, this is the sound of the script it's only four pages it's only four I pages I quite enjoyed which... reading the script it's very professional, Michael. Very professional. Did you like how I, um, in the description, I did a bit of swearing, even though the actual script doesn't have it? I think that adds a lot of uh, fun to uh, it. makes you feel like you're on the inside, doesn't it? I just <laughs> simply enjoyed reading the script. I mean, there's My a lot of gaps. Goodness. There's a lot of detail missing. <laughs> I'm realising as I try and think about what it's going to be. But that's fine. Like, as long as, like, the facts are the facts. that The actual story, I think, holds together. So, yeah, like... Yeah, this next few weeks is going to be me grinding and pow- trying to just power through this idea. And, and I think I've got a, pr- a tacit approval for the hashtag carrot coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's called Global 4C. And I'm like, I'm just going to call it carrot coin. I've been eating so many carrots. <laughs> So, um, climate emergency. Got it through. And now my first question is, is this like Donald Trump's government emergency where apparently nothing changes whatsoever? Or is it going to be an actual emergency? Well, this is the thing. It's uh, sharp intake. But, well, so far it's nothing (laughs) that I can tell. Because this is the same week that... so. So the kind of things that would signal to the country that this is an actual real climate emergency would be things like cancelling the third runway at Heathrow. That would be a great start um, because that would signal that we are not increasing our air traffic. We are 
uh, not supporting that. Um, but this is and so can we talk about that for a second? Yes. So what 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 do we? Th- so they want a third runway at Heathrow because the capacity, or they want to have more flights, or. Well, I guess they're at capacity and and they want to have more flights. I don't know what the rationale is. Sorry, I had to move away from the microphone. I mean, I really, I, I don't. They want it because more, because growth, because bigger. I don't know. More people coming in and out. I mean, that's if if infinite air traffic. You know, we have talked about this connection between the idea that growth on a planet of finite resources cannot be infinite. So mm. at some point we have to cap how much we fly. Otherwise we'll just fly and we'll be above the earth all the time while the earth is fucked. And we'll be eating but, so, but surely, made I'm up just, food out of space food. My completely <laughs> uninformed, you know, reaction to the idea of of that is like isn't but isn't there what what happens to the pressure? Where does what that pressure? go? Do people fly less because there's one less runway or does the pressure like behind well, wanting that third runway kind of like leak out some other way? Well, like the, what happens? The argument so this is where it get this is where the effects of a climate emergency get interesting mm. because something is going to have to change depending on who you read and which paper you pick up and how deep you're willing to go in the science, there are arguments to say that we're going to have to change dramatically and drastically, certainly here in the West where, you know, we have very, very wasteful lifestyles. So the pressure, as you describe it, is that, yes, people might have to consider flying. They certainly cannot consider flying more, I think, is the point. Mm -hmm. So that pressure, as you describe it, so... Uh, where more people have the, let's say, the financial wherewithal to travel more, um, Mm. then they might consider doing that by other means. So, you know, I was thinking about your Hong Kong trip. Why not incorporate a lovely trip on the Trans-Siberian Railway, which Mm. is in itself a massively amazing adventure that I can highly recommend. So, you know, but it'll take you seven days of your trip to get there, but you will travel the whole of Siberia and be able to stop off in interesting places. So, you know, that's the question. But but building a third runway says, yes, let's fly more. Flying is good. Sell more flying things. Mm. Do more flying. And we can't, I mean, we can't. If, yeah, we, if okay. we, you know, that's it. It makes me think of Hans Rosling's talk where he talks about as as a sort of poverty the poverty line sort of like rises up and more people get out of that poverty that that, that where he talks about in terms of different types of trans travel transportation and it yeah. starts with a bike and goes to cars and and then it goes to flying and yeah. and then we have this whole like super cheap easy jet Ryanair yeah. flights like it's yeah. cheaper to fly now than it is to get a train yep so. Maybe they take. I mean, who pays for Heathrow? Is Heathrow private or is it a government thing? I don't know. Sorry, I'm asking you questions about things. Um, But maybe, yeah, if that investment went into, but went into sorting out our rail system. 
Yeah, subsidising. I mean, it is really expensive. My mum's been doing a massive... So my my mother is 70 years old and retired. So she goes and visits her friends. That's part of her activities. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And my mother is very capable. You know, she drives across Europe often to go to Croatia if she's going for mm-hmm. a month or so. Um, uh, so she... And normally she would drive to visit people. And in the last few months, she's changed all of that. So she's got a train to Cardiff to visit her mm-hmm. friend. She's got a train to my aunt's and now she's getting the train to Bath this weekend but for her it is more expensive and for somebody she's not in she I mean she's a touch wood uh you know a a healthy 70 year old but she can't carry a big bag very far so then she's having Mm. to consider how she packs and what she does and you know like access to stations and getting across that blah 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 but she's like this drive this train malarkey is quite expensive yeah um and i don't understand why i don't understand why what happened that like i don't see my family because it's like 60 quid it was 100 quid to get back to notting to radcliffe it's like what the hell like i can fly to bloody Somewhere for that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. I mean, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing. If there is a climate emergency, you know, the 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 railways have to become a public service that is, you know, near free. Yeah. You so know, uh, let's get on if, that. When you get well, well, you know, when I was looking to get to Geneva by train, and the women that I was travelling with who were coming down from Manchester, yeah. the Manchester to London arm of that trip was prohibitively expensive mm. in order to make the connections to get across. So you could get across Europe on a train for a hundred euros. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, across the whole, you know, a whole from from London to Geneva for a hundred euros. Mm. But to get from Manchester to London is depending on the time of day, a couple of hundred quid, which it's is ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. Nuts, isn't it? So, and you always hear this, like, anti-HS2 or whatever. Or, what, what, and, like, and, I, and I looked into it, but I was always like, no, I want more flipping. Well, I want art, to sort yeah. out. I want it to be like the bullet train in the UK. Why, why have we still got these old trains that don't seem to go very fast and, you know, cost so much? So I don't know why the... So there there are objections from environmental groups to HS2, but yeah. I don't know exactly. I don't, because I, like you, thought, well, may, surely more train connections is good. But I think it's partly to do with the route they've chosen. So it will be going through some, wood, you know, some sort of ancient woodlands or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't read enough about it. Mm. Um, but I would have thought more train travel. So when you when you look at these kind of Green New Deal plans, which... I've looked at superficially for now. The dog's really barking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there must be somebody else at the door. Oh, maybe, should I just go and check so he hasn't stopped barking? Okay. For intruders. While Ivanka goes and checks for intruders, I'm going to look at the HS2. Trees still standing. HS2 facts. No business case, no environmental case, no money to... No environmental case. No, it was just the postman. He just thought he was like growling disproportionately. Um, So the HS2 thing, I think there are some objections because of route. Oh, yeah, Green Green New Deal. So a lot of these Green New Deal things talk about the fact that public transport would just have to be made free. Okay. And that becomes a cost for government. Mm. Um, that therefore, you know, if we got it to get the best way to get people out of their cars and onto public transport is to make pu- public transport free or near free. 
Um, yeah, so, so that's what that's what we want. I'm just I'm just on the stophs2.org, and it says no business case, no environmental case, no money to pay for it. So I'm trying well, to see what the. I mean, it seems like there'd be an environmental case to me, but I, but uh, but what I did see looking through here was that it won't help with modal shift or reducing the amount of freight on the roads. Um, so yeah. So yeah, trucks are the thing, aren't they? Trucks are yeah, a big problem. And the, and the one, the um, the single, uh, you know, one person in a car business. You know, I right. You know, like there's that that sort of. But trucks, yeah, tr- freight traveling by road is a big problem. And we are absolutely, absolutely a hundred like dependent on these trucks being able to come in and out of the you know towns and cities totally. constantly because that's where all the flipping food comes from. <laughs> all the food comes from trucks. <laughs> food comes out of big trucks. <laughs> that's on the, it's presumably grown those on big trucks. container things. Containerization yeah. plus trucks or whatever. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. So, 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 uh, so the third runway being cancelled. But this is the same week that a, a couple of environmental groups took the government to court. I must check who's like you. You know, you asked about Heathrow whether it's private or government. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but environmental groups did challenge the decision for a third runway in uh, at the High by- Court. It's owned by BAA Limited, which owns and operates six other UK airports and is itself owned by an international group led by the Spanish Ferrovial Group. Heathrow wow. is the main hub of British Airways and Virgin. So there you go. So, so it's, it's private. private enterprise, but they, but the uh, some environmental groups, including Greenpeace, uh, took the dis- challenge the. Cause the decision in court and they mm. were overruled. The judge found in favour. I don't know what case they put forward, but this is an interesting... But I think the the, the uh, legal system is going to have a lot of work to do. I don't know if you've read about... There's going to have to be law changes, mm. which, you know, is going to be very difficult for still dicking about with Brexit um, because it will be far easier to make European rules and regulations. We need more yeah. rules and regulations that protect the environment. So I've been reading about this woman... Well, she came up on my timeline a few months ago, but this woman called, who's recently sadly passed away, but she, her name is Polly Higgins, and she was pushing for a law, um, an eco-side law. So eco-side that, law? Like in the same way that you have genocide, oh, yeah, you have so. eco-side. So if you are, you know, any company doing something that has resulted in the death of people, plants, insects, animal life, pollution of rivers, whatever... It is a serious, uh, a, a serious law um, that sees them being treated as war criminals, which mm. is quite interesting. Right. Uh, but and you know, possibly very because you know, in all this, everyone bangs on about carbon, but that's not the only problem we're facing. This reduction in insect population, all these things are. I mean, I've said, I can't, it's got another nice sort of. Is it, so what? 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 What's reducing? What? What? What are the factors in reducing insect population? Sorry, I'm, I'm asking. It, I don't know anything about this. So, I don't want this to be so, Michael's ask my, Ivanka questions. Ivanka, what? See what Ivanka knows. Ivanka knows. <laughs> Ivanka, do you know the answers to all of my environmental questions? Like, I know the answers to some of them, or maybe <laughs> enough enough of an answer to some of them that makes me happy to believe it even if I don't know the full depth of the answer. And the insect population problem, so that's not carbon-related, that's what, insecticides and farming? 
Yeah, I mean, it's all very... So the the carbon and the warming and the change of climate affects mm. all animal life yeah. and plant life because, you know, birds lay their eggs too early, yeah. flowers don't open at the right time, the food chain gets disrupted... So, so you, sure, so, sure. so that's part of it. So, you know, <laughs> weird way. <laughs> I just wanted sure. to say it like that was on question time. Sure, 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 <laughs> sure. But but the, uh, so, you know, so there's this big thing of like, there's bees out because it's warmer, but the only food for them is dandelions at the moment. So don't chop right. your dandelion heads off. Anyway, so there's right. that side of it. But, and there is the uh, pesticides and herbicides use that also affects uh be insect life so i think the the europe we have long been trying to ban a pesticide that disorients bees basically right, so right. they don't know how to find their beehive so they go off collecting pollen can't get home uh, so there's these kinds some of it is unexplained there's always bits that mm. can't be explained but all of these factors and that's the annoying thing about um climate change or, or or this sort of general climate breakdown is because there are so many factors that the because it is complex that if you just pick one you're a bit so even like veganism pure veganism is not the whole answer to uh to adjusting your diet because there are parts of let's say um, there's land that's not really arable in terms of planting and growing crops that actually cattle can still graze and you can still make food off of that land. You know what I mean? So it's all a bit... And they, so it's kind of a... It, there is no, like, one magic one. It's all interrelated. And like you say about Hans Rosling saying, you know, you fix one thing and then people move on to another. So anyway, um, it's not well, easy, but there are well, going was... to have to be some tough and loud decisions made by government if they mm. want to actually deliver on this climate emergency ruling decision that they've made. And now instead of an eco-side law, it's going to be an eco-front and centre law. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um So uh the my favorite quote of the week though is the inse uh, insect in extinction rebellion coming back from a meeting with Michael Gove uh and describing it as less shit than they thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but only what? mildly. Okay. Gove I mean he's I mean he's a spearhead, he's a warrior. An environmental warrior, Ivanka. Did you not see what he did about plastic straws? <laughs> he's done more than any other MP in a long time. Did he did he's done nothing, has he? We need to thank him every For... day with every minute of our time. <laughs> I'm gonna find the a dude. I'm gonna find the thing, the the quote because I thought it was it was Claire Farrell who oh. came out came out of the meeting and said it was less shit than we thought it was going to be, but only mildly. And then somebody, I tweeted it, and somebody said, yeah, less shit than I expected, but only mildly. And then somebody tweeted back, this is now my go-to response to any how is question. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah. So what uh, else? 
What else? Uh, what, did, what, what, else? what did they what say? What else about this do? climate? Declare so an emergency. So, so declared yeah, an emergency. Uh, the, the, the relationship to capitalism, well, like we, yes. we, we probably have to keep coming back to. Here's, here's the thing about Delton's idea <laughs> yeah. is that it's sort of like it doesn't really necessarily... It doesn't. It's. I don't know if it's a Trojan horse or if it is literally just still kind of um, the in same. the same kind of yeah. thing as growth capitalism. Yeah. But but, I, but it, I, it, yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's different because it does have that link to carbon reduction. Um, so what? and you can't grow by loads. You can't. You, but you can get more money by doing more for the environment. At the end of the day. I think and it, it also ha- takes yeah. some of those resort reserves that the, 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 these people, that these business, everyone's sort of sitting on, the people with the capital, they're sitting on it, and they could put it into this, which would be a better place than the other place. But well, it's there's not, bit, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, there's been, um, there's this phrase divesting that I keep seeing, <clears> which <throat> in the context that I see it means uh, they're p- generally people pu- putting pressure on organisation organizations to divest themselves of investing in i suppose it's the opposite of investing i've never said it out loud deprive something of a particular quality rid oneself of uh, an investment so so basically remove stop investing in fossil fuels so if we took if all the organizations so i saw there was this week after the climate emergency was declared and all that um, Extinction Rebellion folk were protesting at Barclays and asking them to divest themselves of fossil fuel investments. Mm. So Delton Chen's idea would give those people a new place to invest money that Mm. was of benefit to our planet. And I think that is cool Mm. um, in that regard. But I have wondered myself whether it's just taking you know whether it's what you said which is you know it's still the same sort of model of economy which is mm. less you know lets you put some money in and then you get some money you get yeah. more money back off the top of it and yeah. I, I don't know but i think it's still you know it is a positive step and ultimately those people mm. aren't just going to hand over all that cash that's the bottom line, you know. Those, at the who's moment, those people? the pe- the people who are sitting on massive investment portfolios, like the banks, like the billionaires, mm. they are not just going to go. Oh yeah, sorry. Anyway, we're going to give it all to the taxman. Right, you mean like, for, for no reason? You mean for yeah, no reason? Go, there you go, yeah, have it. Uh, but this c- it. kind of gives them a way to sort of hand over quite a lot because they know that they're they're yeah. not sort of like and sacrificing it's still, it's anything. It's still working for them and all yeah. that shit that they seem to be so wedded to. You've got. Mark Carney telling us, you know, the the whatever he is, chairman, president of yeah, the Bank yeah. of England, telling us that the climate crisis is real, and you know, a real present danger. And it's like, you know, it, that that money machine needs something to work on. It, they're not going to down tools and go home. No. So it's like, here's what I mean. I sent you that link to that. Bankers for climate change or bankers <laughs> against climate change. I don't know if they were for or against. I sent you the link. But they were like, no, we're people too. <laughs> like, we care about the climate. Um, but they, so, and I think that Delton Chen and also that, oh Christ, remembering the names of all these things is 
I just can't do it. Um, is, uh, that woman that I saw speak, that we had a quick look at yeah. their website. Mm. Anyway, whatever that was called. Manjula Lee, Worldwide Generation. Um, those kind of things. In the, the, the financial industry has got a job of work here to do, to get that money working for all of us. Tick. But we also have some, we have some power. And I think this is where that the calls for a general strike could be directed slightly differently. Per, okay, so let's fill us, fill us in on, the, on this general strike idea. So, so this, this is, I've seen it, people shout it a couple of times, but at that uh, panel discussion I was at with um, where Caroline Lucas and Greta Thunberg and Anna Taylor were, uh, there was, so one of the audience members shouted out like, you know, is it time for the grown-ups to go on general strike? If the children are, demonst- you know, striking against their education to make a point, then perhaps we should strike we should strike two and that mm. would very quickly bring the country to quite a significant standstill that would then force action um and you know some of these we'll go back to earlier about what or maybe or maybe we need to have a separate discussion about what the elements of some of these green new deals or green deals the elements that they contain like how society could change very very quickly and adapt for a positive carbon impact but one of the things it made me think of because in that in that week of rebellion this Sadiq Khan who is generally he was part of this and supported this um trying to block the third mm. runway at Heathrow because okay. he's been quite positive about reduce pollution levels in London are high he's been very positive about supporting efforts that reduce those uh but after pressure, because they blocked Oxford Street and there was this, you know, places like John Lewis were complaining about their turnover. Um, he was trying to get a quote unquote business as usual running. And basically business as usual isn't an option anymore. We have got to change business as usual. We cannot continue to purchase with, you know, gay abandon. <laughs> we have to actually... Uh, change how we do that and I think having you know like the opposite of Black Friday having like no spend Monday though it's not as catchy it would be like there is is one of those there is the but that happens on Black Friday so they they so but that you know if we actually if we all didn't spend any money one day a week or, you know, go back to Sundays where you didn't shop on a Sunday or do it for a week or for two weeks sustained. You know, the only things you're allowed to buy are food and medicine, you know, or shoes if you've got holes in your shoes or whatever. I don't know, like what is, which then got me thinking about you can't stop people buying anything at all uh, because, you know, so... I don't know, it's someone that doesn't... As someone that doesn't really like shopping, I don't like uh, shopping, but it's like to buy um, food. Yeah, I do buy most of the time. I don't feel like I'm buying that much, and I probably need to buy some clothes or something at some point. But um, striking from buying, like so, so, and then striking from working. I it's weird because I work for I'm contracting, so that's not really going to work. <laughs> well, no, that's <laughs> so I it's think... a US company as well. So it's like okay, well. Uh, could strike from my own limited company, couldn't I? Well, this is. I did think about that. Like for freelancer people, (laughs) and with this gig economy and the way people work, I don't. I'm not really. I don't know. 
how I would contribute. And I, d I think me supporting or not supporting a general strike is kind of disingenuous because I don't work one day a week anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, it's yeah, a bit, yeah. Um, but I think, so I don't, I really don't know how that plays out. And I, but I think that, you know, what you just said is like, I probably need to buy myself some new clothes. Mm. Why? I don't know. I think that's the, that's the point. It's like, you know, like to really think about this new way of living, that sort of, I feel like I need some new clothes because I'm not, you know, I've got nothing to wear. It's like, really? Have you got nothing to wear? You know, it's that sort of like mode of, of thinking. Well, that's that sort why of... the Marie Kondo thing was good because it made me go through what I do have and um, remember why I liked certain things. Some of the things, for instance, two things I'm wearing today, I hadn't worn for ages um, because I'd forgotten that I like them. And then I was like, no, oh, I do like that. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I mean, Marie Kondo, as much as she's apparently overwhelming charity shops with, you know, yeah. people chucking things out. Um, I think that, that that philosophy is quite an interesting one. It's like, uh, I, did I tell you on the podcast last... I did re-listen to the podcast, listen to the draft and the whole thing, <laughs> and I still can't remember. This kind of clothes-buying pyramid. Did I tell you about that? Clothes-buying pyramid. Yeah, so the, no. there's this place, there's this website I often buy... Uh, baby clothes from or did because they do reusable nappies and stuff um, but they sell a lot of organic children's clothes and washable nappies and washable bibs and stuff like that. I don't know mm -hmm. so that kind of thing I bought most of my nappies there but they um, they wrote this blog post and sent out a thing which is like this pyramid of buying and how to reduce what you buy and it's like um, this in terms of clothes like uh, and then include so it was like you know repair what you've got try and buy second hand and then at the very bottom was buying new stuff but it was mm. at the bottom it didn't say buy new it said buy well yeah so you know that sort of you know we've spoken about this before buying shoes you can repair and put yeah. a new sole on buying things that so um you know it's not don't buy anything but don't buy new things unless you really really have to um and i I think it's, I think that you could have, a v if we all bought into that really quickly, you, there would just, there'd have to be a change in the manufacturers. They'd have to think about what they were making and what they're making it for and how long, you know, these shops that sell disposable tat would just have to just fuck off, <laughs> stop making landfill. Yes, and we need to stop making landfill, don't we? I mean, I, I certainly landfill. think it would be like if we could find a way of sticking a, if we could find a way of putting a big, if we could put a big target on tat. Yeah. That could make a big difference. Yeah, target on tat. <laughs> target on tat. <laughs> that sounds target. much better better than buy less day of the week. <laughs> target. <laughs> target on tat. I, I saw this Fast Company article in the week that said if we stop make if we stop buying crap, people will stop making it. Yeah. It's really simple. <laughs> this capitalism thing, you do. You, yeah, but they everyone has to do it. <laughs>
All right. Well, I'll be honest. This I, I feel like I'm making Ivanka do all the work this week because right. I, 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 just because the government's declared a climate emergency doesn't make me feel any less depressed and pow- powerless about the situation. Um, it's good that there's this very slight shift in the PR. That's good. Um, and I sort of have some confidence in the thing I've found to try and do, but it's it's hard to get excited about. I think we should be. There is lots to be positive about, I think. I just think that it's the beginning of a of a change. It's not changed. Um, it's like the the start of a project. You know, it has its ups and downs, but it's gaining traction. You know, going back to the inve- you know, the, there's the number of people um, that are more conscious is increasing. Um, mm. People are still, you know, the. Did you have local elections in your neighbourhood? I didn't. I put my postcode in, and it didn't. It said there weren't any. But we did. We did. And then I, I watched some uh, videos uh, of you know people of Sheffield, people of Stoke, punishing Labour um, for being in support of a second referendum. Mm. Uh, people spoiling their votes and writing Brexit on them. You know that's what we need to move away from. It's just. It's just time wasting. (laughs) It's like it's like you know we need to take all that energy. It's like these um, uh, green New Deal things. They're things like uh, insulate every every house in the country. That would create jobs. That would create business. It's like a. you know, we've got to decide what we want to spend their money on. And places like Stoke and Sutherland, Sunderland, they are just, they've just been neglected for so long that they're fucked off. And that's some of, you know, like, but the worst thing, the only good thing out of all of this, I don't know if it's actually filtered through his brain, but Jeremy Corbyn seems to have recognised, I said this last week, this kind of, the idea that climate change is a class issue. But, you know, he needs to use the power of his, the party he's leading, that I am still a member of for some reason that I can't quite fathom. (laughs) It's like, you know, he needs to actually use that power to engage these people in doing something more positive than spoiling their votes and writing UKIP on them because mm. they think the fuck because they're going to be a truckload more foreigners coming along when mm. Bangladesh. How can is you say the Brexit is a disaster if it hasn't happened yet? How can you say it's terrible if it hasn't even happened yet? Just give us Brexit and then we'll decide. <sighs> um, okay, so we need systematic change we do indeed new habits at a government and business level government and corporate levels there need to be new habits they do all the new habits yeah so we need your habit 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 (laughs) habits that's gonna no cut it buy less we need a what did you call it target on tat Mm. Get on tat. We need, we we just need it to be. And I I do I do think like 
yeah, it just needs to be a bigger part of the equation. Like when people are making decisions, it needs to be on people's minds all the time when they're making decisions. And it sort of needs to be something that you can't... It's like, I think a lot of the way business behaves and a lot of the way like individuals can behave is, I'm just going to, I know this can be recycled, but I'm just going to put it in the normal rubbish because I don't know where, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Yeah. Um, that it's that that kind of you amplify that up to the business level. And it's like oh, we're just gonna have to dump this stuff in this lake because yeah. I don't know what else to do with it. Um, yeah. And what is it? What is the dy- it's? But if there is a recycling bin, then yeah. people will always use the recycling bin. I think unless they're real like twats, which some are. But I think most people will be like the thing that stops them recycling is that there isn't. It's like I, I don't know. I don't know supposed to do with this and like or it's like the work kitchen bin and you just don't know what you're supposed to do with it um what does that look like on a bigger scale does it mean the government setting up landfill amnesties or something or like waste amnesties where you go okay we'll put it here and we'll we'll we won't just you won't be sort of sweeping it under the rug we'll be actually sort of dealing with it how do you make these behaviors a, more visible, but also how do you sort of make it so that there is, like, an alternative that you kind of... How, how do you give people that... that Help people understand what they could be doing and how they could be doing it better? Because I, I don't know if it's about forcing, because it, as soon as you... Well, I mean, yeah, laws are... You need people to be punished severely for doing, you know, things that really hurt the environment... But what can we do to sort of like, I don't know, I'm not expecting you to have an answer, well, I suppose. Well, I think this is about imagining. And, mm. th- you know, like this is about uh, if you, who told us that we don't have time to sit in a coffee shop and drink a coffee? Mm. Where the fuck did that idea come from? You know, how do we change that culture? How do we have, you know, the the, the Extinction Rebellion talk about tell the truth. And telling the truth doesn't just happen on the news. It should happen through EastEnders. It should happen through Coronation Street. It should happen through, like, those characters, They in, in the same way that those soap operas tackle things like, you know, rape and... Uh, murder and all these other, you know, arson and I can't think mm. of any other. I don't watch them, you know. But though we need to see those people behaving differently, we need we need to never see a celebrity with a throwaway cup in their hand ever. Nobody needs a bottle of water in a plastic bottle in this country. We have drinkable tap water. They should just not be sold. That's the dramatic. That's the end. You know, like if you sell water in plastic bottles, I'm afraid that your business is done. 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 You are done. So that's the drama. You know, like that's really people will listen to this stuff. Like the way the 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 same way that um, people listen to, you know, there was the milk thing, drink milk, milk in schools. That that you know that Mm, worked. The thing of like, don't eat so much saturated fat. Like, you know, with yeah. sort of not noticing that sugar was doing a lot of the real damage. Like, people did, like, listen to that messaging. I think probably, like, you know, look, you know, road safety stuff. The government yeah, yeah. does have the power to change minds and it doesn't always sit on the heads of the, the, you know, private. But then the BBC is, you know, 
funded by... It's not a private sector thing. Mm. I mean, if you if you are a if you are a TV producer, if you are a you know what are you what are you what what are you making? I mean, if I can turn down business, if I can turn down a project to make an app for a oil company, then mm. if you're making a TV show, you can actually develop some ethics about it and go. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not. I think there is a. I was talking to a friend of mine who makes TV shows, who does actually occasionally listen to the podcast, and she was telling me there is a measure, like there is a certificate that you can have to say that your TV show is sustainable. But it's not just about the production of this TV show. It's also the topics. Yeah. So like, we do. Who is the Marie Kondo of business? innovation when it comes to environmental well you know fighting back like, catastrophe water <laughs> like water like evian for example is you know supposed to be mineral rich water that has been filtered through yeah. years of all this stuff and you know and evian water for i'll pick on them they that has been sold for many many years way predating plastic bottle everyone walking around with one Mm. um for its mineral benefits and all that jazz that is different to what is it called that coca-cola one which is just water (laughs) it's like there is it's just tap water it's just water it's not anything else. It's just water in a bottle that came out of a shop or a vending machine. It's mm-hmm. like that is not a stop producing those. Start, you know, making a. I have no idea. We can criminalise. We, I mean, we, that's something the government can do. Is just like, okay, we're not having plastic bottles. That's it. Water done. Anymore. No Lucas Aid in no plastic bottles. In fact, no, no more plastic bottles. How about that? That's, done. <laughs> like, what really um, needs to be in a plastic bottle? Make a case for it. Why? Mm. And if it's, and if it's, and it's the the, the lo, you know, at very least, get rid of single use because this conversation that it needs to be, it can be recycled. Recycling is still worse than reusing so for example ecover have done a lot to reduce their plastic impact by creating refillable bottles Mm. so you can you know if you've got an ecover washing up you can go and get it filled up over and over again at an ecover refilling shop so and and lots of shops can stock that stuff and it massively reduces packaging so reduction has to be ahead of recycling yeah um and and i think what I think with a lot of these things, and I think what 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 is crystallising to me as we reach the end of this episode is, to be fair, it's about making a lot of the stuff that already exists mainstream. That's going to make a, that's going to be a big first step. So you can go to those like organic supermarkets, and they've got the you know bring your own container and refill it with yeah. coffee beans or refill it with this, and um, so you've got this stuff. This stuff is happening, but it's very much on the fringe. Like veganism was on the fringes and now it's sort of like it's kind of everywhere. And like these things, it's not like we're having to conjure all this stuff from nothing. It's just that we have to bring the we're bringing it front and centre. And then we yeah, we have to look to who's doing it well and kind of make that more mainstream. Yeah, and I mean, then it, when you start doing that, that becomes a lot more achievable. It just becomes about quantity and just sort of society and what's acceptable and what isn't, and that's something we can do something about. Absolutely, and there are, like you say, taking those things that do exist but aren't mainstream. It's like I realised this week that I and I tw- I tweeted about it the fact that I used Riverford Organics since two thousand and seven, mm. and I 
um, you know, they have they are constantly looking at ways to do packaging that's better. Not only I mean, most of vegetables that don't need to be packaged just come in the box. But then and they they're open. They're like they don't they're not 100 percent plastic free mm. because some of the things that they ship they just don't travel well unless they're like, you know, like a lettuce or something. They're like, no, they're not about absolutely removing plastic, but they're constantly improving. So they're like onion bags are now compostable. And, mm. and someone was saying, but do they need to be in a bag? And they're like, well, yeah, we've done loads of tests and they're weighing out, you know, damage to vegetables versus packaging created. I mean, packaging mm. serves a purpose. Um, so it's those kind of like go and have a chat with them, Tesco, Sainsbury's, yeah. everyone else and work out what they're doing and do more of that yeah and, and, also, and this and idea that it's just, sorry sorry this idea that it's too expensive it's like yes that is if you're if you're measuring your expensiveness on how much it's costing you as a business but if you're measuring your expensiveness on how much it's costing the planet then maybe it's not expensive if it's you know undermining our very survival then i don't know how much that costs surviving What's a fair price for survival, Michael? Ten bitcoins. <laughs> How many carrot coins? Well, one each. One each. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, go to grandpodcast.com and subscribe to the podcast or in the app that you're using if you're listening to it in some other app, be it Apple Podcasts, be it YouTube. That seems very unlikely given the views that we see. Oh, everyone's watching podcasts on YouTube now. Oh, what, said my 15-year-old nephew. Um, I, I did shout it out on my last YouTube video, so I don't know, maybe we'll get some YouTubes, but I haven't seen anything what-so-king ever. Uh, where can people find you? At Ivanka. <laughs> People can find me at Ivanka on Twitter. And um, you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com and a YouTube user, Michael Forrest. Um, what else can people do? It would be very, very good if you were to share this podcast with your friends or write us reviews and ratings. You know, just maybe one a week. Tell one, us what you one, liked. Tell one friend a week and that's be lovely you know mm. and then you could put it in your habit app and then tick it off you've done it <laughs> done it one every week and um let us know what podcast you stop listening to to make time to listen to ours and we'll see you next time bye <laughs> bye <laughs> bye bye, bye.